0: Let's turn to uh, Mark chapter 11, shall we? You'll be pleased to know I'm not going to speak about anything new today, unless maybe this is one of your first times uh, being in one of our meetings, and we welcome you here. Um, and of course, we preach straight from the Word of God, and that's the way we like it, all the people said. And it's uh, it's an incredible book, it's a wonderful book, and a powerful book, and um we just love being taught by the word of God. So we're going to start reading here from um, verse 12, Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Uh, and on the morrow, uh, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. This is Jesus here. Uh, and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing uh, but leaves, for the time of the figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever, and his disciples heard it. Um, now let's just skip over now to verse 20. I want to see the end of this story here. Uh, and in the morning, so the following day, uh, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Uh, verse 21, And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou curseth, uh is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto him, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. So we see this wonderful example that Jesus Christ has used here about just a fig tree. Now, I think most people around the place uh, like figs. Um, I certainly do. I've got a tree that's starting to bear fruit now, if I can get to it before the birds and the ants do. Um, but Jesus Christ had an expectation here that he was going to come to this tree and it was going to have some fruit for him, regardless of the season. Uh, but when he went there, there was no fruit on it and he obviously cursed the tree. And the disciples picked up on what had happened to this tree and they recognized the power of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ realign their thoughts to say well that's one thing you know the power to curse a tree and make it die and whatsoever it might be but what it is is about faith and it's about believing in what you're asking god to do and this is what we want to focus on here today um, but what i do want to just finish off this passage here from verse 25 and he just said when you stand praying forgive if you have ought against any that your father um, if you have ought against any sorry that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. So when Jesus Christ is talking about prayer and believing here, he's also talking about making sure that we're forgiving our brethren, our brothers and sisters, whoever it might be, of any wrong that they've done against us. It's, a, I guess, a real example of how much we believe in God because we know uh, the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us, don't we? That He died, that He gave His life for us, so that we didn't have to pay for our own sins. He paid for all of them. And so, we, if we start praying for a need and we don't, we're holding a grudge off to the side. There, um, it's not a very fair example, is it? That then we expect that God's going to take care of our needs. So it's a little caveat that Jesus put there. Uh, let's go back a few chapters, shall we? Mark in chapter five, and I just want to look at some of the examples from Jesus Christ of his power and his healing, I want to talk about prayer today and it's uh I guess the the wonderful opportunity that we have to to pray unto our heavenly Father knowing that he hears us and knowing that he's uh, ready and willing to answer our prayers. but I want to see here some of the examples of his power and we can read through all the gospels and you know most of the New Testament and, and recognize the power of Jesus Christ and uh, through the Old Testament and recognize the authority of God there. Uh I mean, I'm just going to pick up a few here, and I'm sure that we'll understand um, the authority and power of Jesus Christ. So Mark in chapter 5 and verse 22. And behold, there came uh, one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, that's Jesus, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. So we see this need that this particular person has. And in the midst of this, we have, uh, I guess, the subplot here. Verse 25, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, and and that is his testimony, the power of his healing there, she came in uh, the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, "If I may touch his clothes, I shall be made whole and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague and Jesus immediately knowing in himself the virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes?" And his disciples said unto him, "You've got to be kidding me. There's hundreds of people pressing about, and you're wondering which one of you touched." Your clothes. Of course, Jesus was, uh, uh, understanding, talking about his power here. Verse 32, and he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. We understand this, don't we? If we have had a particular need, uh, uh, within our walk within the Lord, and we've gone to the Lord and asked him to heal us, maybe we've had to wait a little while. But when that victory comes, how much rejoicing is there that there's that power in Jesus Christ that we've believed upon him and that he's answered our prayer. Now, this lady had this problem for 12 years. It's a particularly long time. Our brother there was talking about an ongoing need that he's had for a long time. But we know, as uh, John said, Jesus Christ is faithful. That's what we look to, those promises. So we understand his uh his wonderful grace here. We understand his healing power, but let's keep on reading the story. Verse 35. And While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? A bit of depressing news there. But as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Now, in our life and in our natural state, um, when something as sure as death passes it's you know we kind of understand that it 's gone, but we 're talking about Jesus Christ here, and he obviously wanted to demonstrate um god 's power so verse thirty seven and he suffered uh no man to f- excuse me follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James, and he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult uh, and them that wept and wailed greatly when he was come in, he saith unto them. Why make ye this or do and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. Almost, we can understand that, can't we? In the natural sense, we can we can understand the uh, incredulous nature that they would have had towards Jesus Christ. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and saith unto her, uh, to Letha uh, kumi which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise! And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them strictly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. What an incredible miracle here! That uh, as Jesus Christ is going to this place to heal this young girl. There's a miracle on the way. A woman stretched out believing and she's taken hold of a wonderful promise and Jesus has set her free there. And then he's gone on to raise up this young damsel from the dead. Wonderful thing. So we're talking about the power and the example of Jesus Christ here. Let's go over a couple of pages to Mark in chapter 7. We'll read another story here. Mark chapter 7 and verse 31. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee uh, through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And when they uh, bring unto him, and they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they uh, beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue, and looking up to heaven, he sighed and said unto him, Um, that is be opened and straightway his ears were opened and the string of his tongue was loosened and he spake plain and he charged them that they should tell no man but the more he charged them so much more the great deal they published it and were beyond measure astonished saying he hath done all things well he maketh uh, both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak there's wonderful miracles that we can recognize that Jesus Christ is doing, that hearing is restored, that speech is restored, that this man's life wouldn't have been um, very enjoyable to live in. Uh, you know, you, we think about uh, nowadays and I guess the services that are available and the things that can be done, but back then it wasn't uh, such the case. And so now this man's been completely changed by the power of God, that he can now speak that he can now hear and and it would have been no wonder they're speaking about it no wonder they're publishing it abroad because it's such a wonderful incredible miracle that jesus christ has performed let's look at one more shall we luke and chapter 7 luke chapter 7 and verse 11 and of course these are uh just a few uh little samples that are pulled out from the gospels here of uh, the things that jesus has asked for and that he's had authority over and that uh has been rectified and healed and delivered and set free. Luke 7 and verse 11, And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a a, a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the buyer, and they that bear him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. Can you imagine being there at that time? Can you imagine being one of the people that's actually carrying the coffin? It, it, uh, would have been scary. It would have been rejoicing if you knew the person. But this is the wonderful power of God. And we recognise here also the compassion of Jesus Christ. The mother hadn't come to him, you know, hadn't begged of him or asked of him, but he recognised the situation and Jesus Christ had compassion. Just like he has compassion on us. That in our time of need or whatever it might be when we go towards the Lord, that he shows us compassion and, and least of all that we have compassion unto salvation, all the people said. You know, that, that's the promise that we're holding on to. We'll read the scripture about that later on. Uh, and I just want to duck down and oh no, I'll keep reading verse 17 because I think this really summarizes uh, what Jesus Christ did. Uh, and this rumor of him, verse 17, went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about, and the disciples of John showed him all of these things. And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And the men that were come unto him Uh, They said, John the Baptist has sent us, uh, and saith unto thee, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. So we see these wonderful examples of Jesus Christ. We see the power and authority that he has over all things. And we can read about when he calmed the seas, we can read about um, him delivering various situations, and that was his testimony, that he had power from God to do these things on earth. So what should we pray for? I guess it's the question. We, we see this, uh, I guess this example of Jesus and Him praying, but it's, uh, some of the examples that we should look for about, well, what should we be praying for? And I could read an awful lot of scriptures here, but I'm not. You can, you can go through the Gospels and find these all for yourself, but, um, I'm just going to pick out a couple here. We can pray for those that despitefully use us. You know, Matthew 5 and Luke 6 talk about that, that we pray for them. We can pray to the Father that He does incredible things in our life. We're going to look at one of those shortly. That's Mark, Matthew 6 and Luke 11. We've given a, a, a direction that we don't pray as the heathen or the unbelievers do, that we are different. And we're going to talk about that as well Ma- Matthew 6 there. For labourers, um, that we should pray for labourers of the harvest. You know, we should pray for some more brothers and sisters that can join us here in this meeting and join in rejoicing for what God's done and join in preaching the gospel and and telling people the wonderful works of Jesus Christ. That's Matthew 9 and Luke 10. We can pray for our children. And I think if you've got children, you pray for them, don't you? They're accident prone, they do silly things, they don't listen, all that sort of stuff. But we can pray for them. We've given that instruction there, Matthew 19. This is a big one. Pray that we enter not into temptation. We've got this world around about us that isn't filled with the Spirit of God. You know, they challenge our time, it challenges our attention, uh, it challenges so many things that would tear us away from the salvation that we've been given through Jesus Christ. Jesus has instructed us that we pray that we enter not into that temptation, that we are delivered from that. It's a big one. Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22. When we pray, we're told that we should pray that we expect to receive, that we believe that we're going to receive the wonderful promises of God. All the people said, it's not a quiet thing. You know, it's that we should be going, I'm actually really excited that I can get down on my knees and have a time of prayer because I've got a particular need in my life. Because you know what? Jesus Christ is going to answer me And to him goes the glory and hallelujah. And I get I get victory. Put your hand up if you've been healed or set free by God. There you go. We believe in these wonderful promises, don't we? And we can take them to us. So when we pray, we should pray that we believe and that we're going to receive. That's Mark 11. We should pray because we know not the time. And that's the time of Jesus Christ coming back. Everyone's got a watch or a phone or there's two clocks up there that are telling me how long I'm going on for. Um, But we don't know the time that Jesus is coming back. We are told to pray because of this, to pray that we're always ready, to pray that we're attentive to the things of God, that we can see and understand and recognize the signs and the seasons of the things that are pointing to the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back soon. That's Mark 13. Uh, We're told that we should pray that we faint not that we can carry on, that we can keep on walking in him. That's Luke 18. You might look at that one later as well. What did Jesus pray for? Well, when it comes to us, um, there's a couple of things that he prayed for specifically, and they're all in the, the book of John that I'm going to point out here. He prayed that the Comforter would come. And praise the Lord, it has. The Holy Spirit's been poured out, and we know that it's come by signs, wonders and miracles that are effective in our life. We're going to look at those scriptures later on. But that is the promise of the Holy Ghost in our life. Jesus Christ prayed for us um, that we are kept in unity, that we are kept together, you know, that we are walking in unity, one with each other, believing in God, not believing our own thing, but walking in unity with the Word of God and with the, uh, the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ prayed for us that we're kept from the devil. That this is in John 17 that He um, He prayed that we weren't taken out of the world, but that we would be kept from the devil. It's a you know it'd be nice, wouldn't it, that we didn't have to be here anymore, that we're up in heaven rejoicing, that you know all things are done and dusted and passed away, and that we don't have to worry about this world and the natural things anymore. But Jesus Christ has actually said. He's prayed that we just kept from the devil, that we can be an example on this earth here. And he's also prayed for those that hear his words, these words of life, these wonderful, amazing, incredible, powerful words. He's prayed for those that hear them. So if we're hearing them, Jesus Christ is praying for us. If we're walking with him, Jesus Christ has prayed for us. Now, let's go over to Matthew chapter 6, shall we? I want to have a look at how we should pray. And we've given some uh some examples here and some instruction here. So verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6. Uh, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So this is this first point, that we don't pray trying to glorify ourselves. For example, when we pray, we're glorifying God. But thou, verse 6, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much seeking uh, speaking. Sorry, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask them. So we've got this uh, direction here that we should find a private, quiet place that we should actually seek God. That it's not just a a general, maybe run-of-the-mill thought as we're driving to work or during our working day. We know those things are good and they're useful, but in terms of praying and seeking God, it really needs to be a personal thing where we're drawing ourselves aside from all distractions. And obviously back in the day, the closet was the best place there. Uh, my closet is a little bit narrow for me, uh, so I would struggle probably in there. And it's not talking about those things specifically, but it is talking about making sure that we're not distracted. You know, making sure that we're not um, our phone's not there, and we're not, oh it's vibrating. I'll just check quickly, and I'll get back to prayer. You know, the the kids are screaming, and, and whatever it might be. Okay, I'm ducking in and out, and in and out. Sometimes those things happen, but it's also about setting up ourselves that so we can have a a time where we're not going to be interrupted or distracted from just speaking to God it's a wonderful thing that we can do that and we're further on we've got this example here and uh it's this is we're talking about a natural prayer here and before the holy ghost was point was poured out all right so now verse uh verse 9 after this manner therefore pray ye our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory for ever. Amen. Now there are some uh, churches round about who just copy that in parrot fashion. Um They probably should read up a few verses before where it says not to use vain repetitions. You know, but This is a nice prayer, and Jesus Christ really is talking about an example of the things that we should pray for. And so first of all, we're giving thanks unto God, aren't we? That's what this prayer is here. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We're giving praise unto God. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want you, God, to have... whatever it is that you want. And if I'm a part of that, if I can be a vessel to help your cause, then hallelujah. That's what we're praying for. We're praying that God's will be done and not our own. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, please provide for me. Help me out that I can live in this world. That's your promise that you're going to provide for me. And forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know, Forgive us the the things that we've done wrong. Um, forgive us the things that people have done wrong against us you know that forgiveness and that's the an example and the last one there of course lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil so this prayer this example of prayer is about giving thanks up to god that his will be done that god is going to provide for all of our needs and that we don't get tempted to follow after evil ways it's a simple prayer isn't it really we don't have to repeat those words, but that's the essence of the things that we should pray for. And that's a, a natural, that's a natural prayer and it's, uh, it's wonderful. It's a nice thing, but there are lots of churches round about there. And I know many of you have come from out of those churches where maybe quite diligently this prayer was made unto God, but there was no power. There was no authority. There was no proof of God actually even listening. And that's what we want to move into now. You know, Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's okay for us to pray for our needs. It's okay for us to pray and ask God to help us in our life. He's promised that he's going to hear us and help us out when we need. But we do have a problem, is that when we're not praying in the spirit and we're only praying in our natural understanding, this. It's our tongue. It's a problem. Let's go to James in chapter 3 and have a look why. It's not my tongue that's a problem only at the moment. It's also my lip. I've managed to bite it twice in two days and it's still buzzing. It's twitching on me and everything. It's crazy. But anyway, that's my problem, not yours. James in chapter 3. Let's just read about our tongue here in terms of why it's an issue. Verse verse 5, we'll start reading. Even so the tongue is a little member of the body and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members and it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Uh, For every kind, yes, every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, a full of deadly poison. Therewith we bless God, even the Father, and therewith we curse men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. So we have this problem with our natural tongue, don't we? That we can we can sit here and we can say, "Oh, we love you all and hallelujah and praise the Lord and all this sort of thing." But then we get on the road and someone cuts us off and we're ah, what you do that for? We we lose ourselves, don't we? You know, our our tongue it can be a bad thing. It can be to the point of it talks about there about fire. You know, we start backbiting, or we start whinging, we start rumours and all that sort of stuff. It's just that's our tongue. That's the only thing it is. It's not like it's it's a big body or it's a big fist or whatever it might be. It's the tongue. That's the thing that starts all the problems. So our natural tongue is an issue. We should have a problem with that. But, hallelujah, there's a wonderful answer. I just want to read this. Jesus Christ's desire for us, and I'm reading this from Philippians 2, verse 11, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the father that's what Jesus desires for us and that's what we should desire for ourselves as well Ezekiel 36 and verse 26 says a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh so Jesus Christ has promised that he's going to change something within us now let's go over to John in chapter 14 We can read through the Old Testament about the laws and all those things that were set up um, for people to be obedient to God and despite all of their best intentions, they always fell short. And we recognize, and we're going to take our communion service later on here to remember what Jesus Christ did for us, but that way was done away with and we have been given a new heart and that's by signs following. If you haven't... um, well let's read this first and then I can talk about that John 14 and verse 16 that's over your page Peter and I will pray the father this is Jesus Christ again we talked about this before I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him but you know him for he dwelleth with uh, with you and shall be in you I will not leave you comfortless. I will come for you. But let's go to verse 26 now. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So Jesus Christ, one of the things that he prayed for was this Comforter, which the Scriptures tell us there is the Holy Ghost, that it would come into our life and that it would teach us all things, and that it will remind us of these wonderful promises of God, of the power of God, of the authority of God, of the expectation that we could have when we make prayer unto Him. All the people said, it's a wonderful hope. And we know that this isn't just some loosely termed thing that we have no real desire—sorry, un, understanding of. We can read in Mark 16 about signs following. We can read examples in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, 19, about... The signs following believers about when the Holy Ghost was poured out unto them. And hallelujah, we have that. And it matches up with our experience as well, doesn't it? That when we really gave ourselves over to Jesus Christ, and we really wanted to know what the truth was, that he filled us with the Holy Spirit, and we spoke forth in a brand new tongue. We had that new tongue now. We had that new language, that pure language that we could pray to God to, that wasn't affected by our natural thoughts, by our natural mind and all those sorts of things. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 13 says, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's what's happened. When the comforter comes and it's poured out, we're sealed with that Holy Spirit. And we have this, uh we're going to do the spiritual gifts later on as well. First Corinthians 14 verse 2 says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but he speaks unto God. So this language, this tongue that we've been given by God, this Holy Spirit power, is for us that we can speak to God, that we can communicate with Him. It is really such a wonderful thing. So to have time of uh, prayer in the Spirit, uh, we have this communication with God. It is such a, a powerful thing that now we don't need to rely upon our natural tongue anymore. We don't need to rely upon our natural self. We don't need to rely upon uh, those round about us. But we can pray to the Heavenly Father, the Creator of the universe, the same Jesus Christ, that healed all those people back then, we're in touch with now. And we can ask Him to deliver us from whatever it might be. Uh, so what power do we have when we have the Holy Ghost? What power in our life do we have when the Holy Ghost is poured out? Let's have a look at Acts chapter 3. We know the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. They were all come together. They're all there in unity. It talks about that in Acts chapter 2. And the fact that they were all filled with Holy Ghost and they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And it's straight after this time here that we start to recognize uh, even furthermore some of the authority um, that the disciples had once they received the Holy Spirit, the confidence that they had, even without Jesus around the place, that they could put his name out there and he would deliver. Let's read the story here. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, And now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked in alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed expect- unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he leaping stood up and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And the people saw him walking and praising God uh, and they knew it was him. And it was uh, this wonderful miracle there of two people that had this confidence, that had this belief in God, and by the simple prayer of saying, Believe in Jesus not in the money that you're receiving, not in anyone walking by. Believe in Jesus and your whole life can be changed. That's the power of prayer, isn't it? That's the power that we have as well now that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's go over to Acts in chapter 9 and verse 32. Uh, and it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Ananias or Anias something like that, uh, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And and Peter said unto him, Ananias, that Jesus Christ maketh thee whole, arise and make thy bed, and he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydda and uh, Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. This little simple prayer there, but this man who had had this infirmity for a number of years was delivered and set free raised up and made whole. One thing I would like to point out though is that Peter said, arise and make your bed, but we don't have any record of him making his bed whatsoever. Now I think that's purely because he was so excited that he was healed and delivered and set free. It's only a small thing. doesn't mean kids can get out of making their beds. Husbands, you can't get out of making your side of the bed or the whole bed if that's your responsibility. There's this wonderful healing, this wonderful miracle there, isn't there? Is there one that I wanted to read after that? We can keep reading. Verse 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. And this woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed and laid her in the upper chamber. uh, For as much as litter was nigh to Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there and sent unto him two men, desiring him that uh, he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them when he was come, and they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping, and showing the coats and the garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one of Simon the Tanner. This wonderful miracle there. This person, I guess, that had been faithful, um you know, done all these wonderful things. But the real example was in the faith of Peter, that when he got down on his knees and had prayer, he was obviously believing. He was obviously believing and expecting that this woman was going to be raised up, and indeed she was. She was dead, and now she's alive. Now, this is the same power that we have through Jesus Christ, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's not of ourselves. It's nothing individual. It's nothing uh, this not this person and only that person, whatever it might be. It's through our belief in God and through these signs following that we can understand that Jesus Christ has poured out His Spirit, and so... When we make prayer unto Him, we have this authority and power that we can expect incredible things. Now let's look for a couple of things just to wrap it up. Hebrews 10, uh, talks about because of the Holy Ghost, we can have this boldness to approach the throne of grace. That we can expect to be delivered and set free. That we can be, that we can expect to be heard of Jesus Christ. You know, that we have this full assurance of faith. Not a little bit of an assurance, not a part of an assurance, but a full assurance of faith that we can believe upon these promises. So what can we pray for? We can pray uh, to be delivered from bondage. We can be prayed to be delivered from affliction, from sickness, from depression, from suffering. And I know that a lot of us have got that testimony in our life, that we've made certain requests of the Lord and he's healed us of all of those things. We can pray for forgiveness, which is a it's a difficult thing in this very proud world to pray for forgiveness of someone that's done us wrong. To pray for compassion, those round about us. We can pray for uh, relationships, maybe healing of a broken relationship. Uh, if we want a relationship, we can pray for that relationship but a unified thing certainly in regards to a marriage between a husband and wife, that God is right there in the middle, that we can pray for those things and expect that God's going to help us. And all the married said, Amen. Oh, My wife would not put up with me if I wasn't spirit-filled. I know that for a certain. If I was without the Holy Spirit, I'd be an absolute dropkick. You don't need to say Amen to that, it's alright. right. don't need to say Amen to that. It's only through prayer, it's only through prayer of going, well I want to do things God's way and not of anyone else's way. We can pray for unity with God, that we walk uh, as God would have us walk, that we through the Holy Scriptures of God, are guided and directed, but that we are unified with God, not walking as a tangent that's ever slowly creeping away from where God wants us to be, but that we are unified with God and it's only a, a small selection but we can pray for many, 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 many things in our life But we are ultimately walking with him on the day that he returns. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So it's not just a, a, a talking thing, but it's a practical thing as well that we need to do. So the attitude of our prayer and how we should go about our prayer. Let's go to Luke in chapter 18, shall we? Just a couple of scriptures here to finish up. Verse one, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming. She weary me. We can understand that natural example, can't we, about being diligent. Verse 6, The Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on earth? And as I set up a meeting up at Gaul the other other week, we should make sure that this is a resounding yes, shouldn't we? We should make sure that whenever this question is asked about finding faith on the earth, that within ourselves we're going, you better believe it, because I believe upon God, you know, and with signs following as well. Um, verse nine, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray; the one a Pharisee, and the other a publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So we have this example here about in terms of our attitude towards prayer should be one of humility. That when we're uh, making our prayer requests unto God, it's not that you should do this because I'm spirit-filled and you should do this because I'm this way and you should do this because I go to all the meetings and blah, 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 all these natural things. But reminding ourselves of the position that we are in, that we did not deserve to have Jesus Christ die for us to forgive us of our sins. We're in the lesser position. Just because we're spirit-filled, we still have to be thankful, don't we? We still have to remind ourselves of God didn't have to do this, but He did it anyway. So that we could be set free. So that we could be raised up. So our attitude towards prayer is one of humility let's just look uh luke and chapter 10 this is important here luke and chapter 10 now this is after well we can read it actually verse 17 and the 70 returned. so we can assume from that and we can read earlier on that the 70 were sent out uh, and God to give them authority over all things um healing and delivering and casting out devils and whatnot and uh, so we read here, verse 17, And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. You know what Jesus Christ is saying there? I saw an angel of God have pride, and he was cast out. That's that warning there that we shouldn't have. Don't allow pride in our life. But verse 19, Behold, I give unto you, Power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. All the people said? It is such a wonderful thing that we can come before uh, our Lord and Savior and ask Him to take us out of a situation that we'd rather not be in whether it be healing, uh, whether it be provision, whether it be just an uncomfortable situation, it really is such a blessed thing that we have. And that's a promise of Jesus Christ. But the thing that we should rejoice in is that our names are written in the book of life, that we are going to live forever. And none of these things are really going to affect us because we're going to be changed. We're going to be transformed. You know, we're going to have a new body. We're going to have a We don't have to worry about death. We don't have to worry about sadness. All those things are going to be cast aside. We need to be rejoicing in that. When we, I guess when we're making our prayer to the Lord, if we are rejoicing in what God has promised us, then it it puts into perspective some of those other things that we're praying for. And I think it truly helps us in our walk in the Lord. Let's just turn to Jude 20 just to finish up here. There's a question I guess that we can have in regards to prayer and how often we should pray maybe and those sorts of things and that's something that we have to figure out for ourselves. I think if we're asking for something of the Lord, if we're giving him thanks, probably five minutes here and there isn't going to cut it if we're honest with ourselves. And I think if we can be diligent about prayer, then God will be diligent towards us as well. We have the example of Jesus Christ that particularly says in Luke chapter 12 here that he continued and prayed all night in prayer unto God. And Jesus Christ is that wonderful example and we kinda of think, well of course he could, he's Jesus Christ. He can do whatever he likes. But we got that example, I guess, of how diligent that we should be in our prayer life to the Lord, that we should set aside set aside a time to make prayer unto the Lord and all these things that we've talked about. And we know that first Thessalonians five talks about praying without ceasing, being consistent. And uh I think when we find that we if we do have that consistent prayer life how much of a blessing it really is. It talks about here making sure we're building up ourselves and making sure that we have that strong foundation. And we're reminded here, just as our final scripture in Jude and verse 20, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord, Jesus Christ, unto eternal life. Now, we can't build ourselves up in any kind of holy way if, unless we have the Holy Ghost. It's just not possible. We can build ourselves up in a natural way. We can, um, you know, set about good habits in particular things. But if it's without the Holy Spirit, it's not holy. There's, you can't get around that according to the Word of God. And so we as ourselves, if we want to build ourselves up in our walk, If we want to make sure that we're firm and that we're secure, that we're resting on that rock, that good foundation, which is Jesus Christ, then it's a great idea that we set aside time to pray in the Holy Ghost, which is going to build us up. And all the people said, Amen.